Hello everyone, I'm Theo Hill and welcome back to One Day at a Time in Recovery in Baltimore where I talk one-on-one with other folks like me who are dealing with their own addiction and recovery and where we learn together from each other's stories. I want to let you know that we're recording this episode in my home and I have three beautiful grandchildren who live here with us. You might hear a little noise from them, so thank you for your patience with that. Welcome to my home, listeners. Now, this evening we have a very distinguished young lady whose name is Sheila, and I'd like to welcome you, Sheila, to one day at a time. Thank you. Okay, now, if you could tell me about yourself, your family, and what life was like for you when you were young. Okay. Um, so I was born in Catonsville, Maryland, and my parents, my father was a uh, dropout of high school. My mother graduated high school with me in her belly. So that gives you a little story of how, you know, young my parents were. And so I think with that, you know, my father started drinking. I believe that, you know, I w- it was a lot to be a parent at a young age. I know it is for anybody to be a parent. Um, I had my, my mother had my sister probably, she's like two and a half years younger than me. And uh, I know we moved around a lot. My um, father was drinking. I remember going fishing with him during the daytime and, you know, he would drink. And um, I'm assuming he wasn't working because, you know, my mother um, later told me that she supported us for a long time. He was a he was very angry man, very angry. Um, You know, I remember being um, spanked with belts and put in a corner. And today I couldn't tell you why. I think it was because I was... um, bold um and he didn't like that he's a he's a headstrong you know this is my way or no way back in that day it was um you were seen and not heard you know if we if we needed anything from you then you will ask you but um so it was rough for me and he he like you know pushed down that fire that I had and I became a a a shy girl um and uh I would say probably around the age of six, I was molested by an uncle and then later on a cousin. And the cousin, um, they're, they're only, they're a few years older than me. And the cousin, it lasted for years. And, you know, I didn't actually, like, know because I was so young, I didn't know that, like, this was wrong. I mean, I guess it felt wrong, but it just happened so often that I didn't realize until later on that, like, this isn't right, you know. Um, we moved from Catonsville mm-hmm. to the city where my, my parents bought a house in the city down west side by the shopping center. And so when I first moved, it was, I was in fourth grade, I think it was, and it was a culture shock. You know, when I, where I grew up at, we, you know, we were in and out of my grandmother's and we lived, you know, Catonsville, people kind of, you know, stayed to themselves and maybe to their neighbors, but... But when I moved to the city, there was just so many different um, personalities and opinions. And when I first moved there, I, I got bullied by the kid down the street. And um, I eventually did stand up to this boy because my father would tell me, go out and fight him. You know, and I'm a girl and he's a boy. And I'm like, I'm not fighting this boy. But with my father being so aggressive and being so angry and, 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 you know, hitting us, I was like, you know, the older I got, I was like, I can take on a grown man. I can take on a kid. And, you know, the boy, 
you know, I think he threw a ball at me one time or something, and I grabbed the ball and I, like, wailed it right at his face. And that was, like, the last time that he actually did that. And so, you know, one good thing I can say about moving in the city is it, it, it like, helped me step into my power because I was really shy. My father, you know, pushed down that fire, and I became shy and scared to, you know, use my voice and scared to be the person that I could be because of how, you know, how my, how my father pushed that down. And so, you know, with, with not feeling enough and a lot of the, you know, the dysfunction in my house, you know, I, I just felt lost and I got, I got depressed a lot. And I, I started drinking, I guess, as a teenager with my friends and I, I started smoking weed a little bit. And then I got interested in boys, right? And there was this boy who, uh, he was real shy too. So when I saw him one day, I knew he had done something. I didn't know what it was. And I asked his friend, I said, what's he on? Because he wasn't shy anymore. And that, mm-hmm. that attracted, that was attractive to me because I wanted to, I wanted to be, you know, somebody that other than who I was. You know, he's, his thing was, here, get, give me five hours and I'll get it for him. You know, of course I did, right? Anything to make, find out what this thing was that would make me feel that way. And so I eventually did try it. It was heroin. And um, like a lot of people, the first time I threw up, I didn't, I didn't feel good. I was like passed out on the couch. But the next time, you know, I tried it and I just didn't do as much. And like it was the thing I had been looking for. It, it was that thing that quieted my mind and, you know, I didn't want to feel, you know, like the outcast, even though I really wasn't because I had friends and, 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 you know, this was by, by this time, this was high school. Okay. I just wanted to, I just wanted to fit in, in, in my own skin. I didn't like the way I felt, you know, inside. And so, so that's when I was in high school, I had started using heavier and the drugs. I was with the boy and him and his twin brother, they were, I didn't know it, but they were full blown addicts and they would get up and do it. And, and when I would spend the night it would be there and I thought, Oh, okay, you know, I'll do some. And I didn't know at the time that uh, it would cause me to have a habit right. until I woke up that one morning and I'm sitting in his living room and I'm like, why do I feel like I have the flu? My body hurts. I'm sweating. I feel gross. And he was like, well, hold on, wait till my brother gets back with it and you'll, you'll feel better. And, of course, I did, you know. And, and I was like, oh, no, my father's going to kill me. You know, how did I get myself here? I was just trying to, like, feel better. And, um, and so I just kept doing it. And I didn't tell anybody. Um, and school was telling me, you're not going to pass. You're not going to graduate. I was in 12th grade at this time, you know. And it was, like, probably May. Uh-huh. April, May, and they're telling me, you know, you're you're not coming to school. You're gonna you're gonna fail. You're not gonna graduate. And I had already had my cap and gown, you know, ordered and everything. I was prepared, <laughs> but you know, in my mind, but like I I really wasn't doing the things needed to to do that. Uh-huh. And so when uh when you know it came time to get closer to, to graduation, you know, they said you're not graduating because you didn't do what you, mm. what we told you to do, and that like broke me. To, to mm-hmm. see, and, and, and cap and gowns were coming in, and to see all my friends, you know, getting their cap and gowns, and they're, and they're you know, decorating their cars so they can drive around, and, you know, praise that they were, you know, and it, it just broke me. It was probably, a f- so I didn't graduate, and then I just, I just got deeper into drugs, and so in August of that same year of 95, my mm-hmm. father, um, he was a truck driver, and he was coming mm-hmm. down Cumberland in, um, 
coming down in Cumberland, Maryland, and he lost his brakes coming down the mountain. At the mm. bottom of the mountain is a 90-degree turn, and, you know, he couldn't make the turn and smacked into the mountain and died. And, like, you know, that really crushed me. I still, I still deal with that today. Mm -hmm. um, the year before he passed away, he actually became a born-again Christian. He quit smoking. He quit cussing. He, like, was going to church, and he was, like, looking for himself. And, um, you know, I was mad at, at God at that time because, you know, he was now doing all the things that was right, mm -hmm. and you took him, you know? And, like, and it really hurts. It really hurts that the man that I so much wanted love from is now gone, yeah. you know? Um but like that's something that I'm working with today, and that yeah. you know, hopefully that, that I know I know that continuing on this path and doing the next right thing, that mm -hmm. like I'll get through that, and working with my sponsor and doing the step work, mm -hmm. that that's the key to heal from this because like the drugs and alcohol that that didn't help at all. I tried to numb that. I numbed it for 20 years. My mother used to say, "It's been five years. Your dad's been gone. You're gonna get yourself together." Yeah, mom. Yeah, mom. It's been 10 years. You're gonna get yourself. You know, and and every every five or so years she would say something to me and like yeah yeah I'm gonna do it and I tried I tried I went into um you know detox centers numerous times and rehabs and you know I brought him brought him a boyfriend at in one of the rehabs that was a real smart idea right stayed with him for seven years I don't know how I did that because he was a lying manipulating person but like it was okay because I guess I didn't want to be alone you know I, I reached for those toxic relationships right. trying right. to trying to fill trying to fill that void that daddy didn't get me so I looked for it in men you know and uh it never worked right. it never worked when did you first realize you had a problem with alcohol and drugs um probably recently I mean I I, I kind of knew okay I knew I had a dope habit I knew I couldn't stop so I guess I I knew that I had a problem with that, but like my, I was, I would always go to the alcohol. Well, I don't have a problem with the alcohol because I only go out to the clubs and I have a good time with that, right? right? So I would try that again and again until, you know, what would always happen, what I see now is I would use the alcohol until something traumatic would happen or something would happen and I, I didn't know what to do with those feelings. And so, you know, I didn't have the, the right people around me. Everybody around me was drinking or doing something mm -hmm. you, they weren't supposed to do. They didn't know how to get through the trauma. It was right. just like, let's cover it up with alcohol or let's smoke some weed. That was my thing, right? I would do those. And I, as long as I didn't do the other stuff, but like right. it usually led back to the, the hard stuff, which really numbed it because I didn't know how to handle it because I wasn't taught how to handle your feelings. It was, shut up, stop crying. You know, it was suppress everything instead of mm -hmm. let's talk through that. How, why are you feeling that way? What's going on? You know, what made you feel like that? You know, and I'm um, like, that's what I try to do with my son today. He's six. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, some people are like, you're babying him, but I'm not trying to baby him. I'm trying to get him to express himself. I don't want him to suppress his right. feelings and then later look for something to numb those feelings. Right. Um, so what finally made you... What finally caused you to do something about your addiction? So because I'm, I'm not good with withdrawal, so I got on the methadone right. program, right. which right. is how I met you, right? Yes, um, I got on the methadone program, and um, I, I thought I'll get on this, and then I'll detox, and I'll get off, right? <laughs> ten years later, yes. Yes. ten years later, I was still mm -hmm. on it, and when I got with my son's father, 
I kind of started to wake up when I I got pregnant, which I didn't think I could actually have kids. Like mm-hmm. I said, I was with the one guy for seven years, and I had been in like three year relationships, and and we weren't the safest. You know, you're using and you're not you're not oh, to, yeah. you don't use your brain very well. Um, and so when when I had him, he he was addicted to the methadone, and I had to watch him detox, which was very very hard to watch a yes. baby your baby detoxing off of that. Right. And so um, I had started you know weaning myself off, which I was doing before I got pregnant. But he you know once I had him and he was taking all the methadone, I was scared to come off of it. Because I didn't want to lose him. I was 37 at that time. And I was like, oh, this is risky. I don't want him to go through withdrawals and then die or something happen. So I stayed on it. Um, But, you know, when um, I started weaning myself down off of it slowly, I wasn't in a rush. I knew, uh, you know, it took a long time for me to be on this. And I just, I'm going to take it slow. I wasn't in a rush because I didn't want to, you know, revert back. Because I had done that before. I had tried to get off of it before. And then I did it too fast. And then I couldn't take the withdrawal. So I figured if I did it slowly, then my body would get used to it a little at a time. And so I left my son's father and, and, you know, when he was one and I was like, okay, it's time. It's time when I'm finished this, which I had already gotten pretty low. And I said, well, you know, once I get down here, I'm going to do this because if he can do it, if my son can do it, I can do this, you know, and I didn't want, I didn't want him to see me like that. I wanted to be better for him. Right. So, so I did that. Right. And I got off of it, but he was a toddler. Well, he was two by this time. So it took me, you know, about a year to, to finish the rest of it. Um, and he was getting into everything. And I was, like, really stressed out, stressed out because I had been going through the withdrawals. And so my bright idea was, like, let's smoke some weed, right? So I started smoking weed. And I'm at my back door because I'm not going to smoke in the house with him. So I'm at my back door with the, with the bowl. And I'm, like peeking around like a crackhead, right? Like, who's going to see me? I don't want anybody to see me because they might take my kids because I'm smoking weed, you know? And as I'm standing there smoking, like, something tells me, my higher power or or guides, whatever, tells me you know where you need to go to get the help. Because I had been introduced through the rooms, through through um, probation and I had to get courts court slips and I sat in the back and didn't speak to anybody any times I did that you know because I you know guys this is weird I'm just here to get my slip signed you know Mm -hmm. but but even though then I I still heard the sayings that the popular sayings that they say and you know so so when this thought came to me I was like you know what you know like you're right because like these people were actually doing it because I you know before I before I had my son, I, I was going to the rooms a little bit, and I had I had made a little bit of a friends and some kind of connections, and I mm-hmm. so I called one of the girls and I said I need to come back. Can you can you meet me? And she said sure. Mm-hmm. You know, so we went to the meeting, and when they asked for you know any newcomers, I raised my hand, I introduced myself. When they did the uh, twenty nine days or less, I, I got up and got mm-hmm. the key tag. You know, I stood outside of the meeting with everybody standing around in their little groups, and I just like stood close to somebody until. I they said something that you know and then I like put my little two cents in just so that I could like be a part of and it was so awkward but like the longer I did that like in a short period of time within like two three weeks people were like hey it's good to see you how you doing how you feeling and then like they loved me you know and and and, like even though I couldn't even really love myself and I was this strange person and I was attracted to that like wow these people actually care and they really do you Mm -hmm. know they want you to they want the best for you they want you because they've been there they've been there they've done that you know in some way shape or form 
no matter what you did in the rooms, like you were trying to fill that void, that fix that feeling of, you know, of not enough or, or whatever it was. So, you know, I, I just stayed and, and, and fought through the uncomfortableness because I knew that it, w- it would get better, Very you know, good. the longer I stayed. Mm-hmm. So what's recovery like for you? Um... It's actually fun, you know. I didn't think that I I used to think there's you can't have fun without using. You right. cannot I got to be drunk or right. I got to be, you know, whatever, but like it's just it's it's fun. I, you know, we 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 used to go to dances and and like now things are starting to open up and they have like dipping dance where they have music and you, you know, go swimming and uh mm-hmm. you know, beach, you know, date the beach or whatever. Um you know, so we get to do those fun things with people that you're starting, you know, that you've built a relationship right. with. Um, you know, my life itself is just so much better. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, you know, I used to suffer from depression and, and I even took medicine, but I haven't taken it in a long time. And I do get those depressive moments but like I don't stay there I don't allow myself to like woe is me I'm the victim because I have a choice today and I truly believe that I have a choice even though it might be shit you know as long as I don't keep that mindset or like stay in my head and like oh I'm mad at this person I'm not gonna say anything and I'm gonna like I'm the victim you know as long as I like speak about it and I and I like get through, you know, what's going on, it, it gets better, you know, I mean, no, nothing's perfect, but it does, it's, it's not like it used to be, you know, and I don't, I don't feel like it's people are trying to control me today, because, like, I don't allow that, I have control of my life, and I get to choose, you know, where I want it to go, you know, um, I don't know, I've learned a lot about myself, and I'm still learning, you know, I'm still learning that I'm selfish, I like things my way, but, like, it doesn't have to be like that, like, the world does not revolve around me anymore, you know, it's, it's, it's just not, it's not my world, and, 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 you know, I have to include people in it. What a fantastic story. Mm -hmm. Now, the last question I have for you Mm -hmm. is... What would be your advice to someone who's struggling with the addiction right now? Mm. Um, you know, don't be afraid of the unknown because that's one thing that keeps me stuck that, like, I get stuck in the fear of what ifs. And I can get in my head about that a lot. Like, don't be afraid of the unknown. And, you know, life does not have to be that way. It, it is truly what you make of it. If you don't like where you're living or the situation, like, you can go to recovery houses. It's not going to be great. I wish I would have done that because, you know, I would always go back to the same place because when I would leave the, the detox or whatever, I would always, oh, I can't go there. I don't know those people. And if I would have just stepped out of that fear and that uncomfortableness and went, I would have made new friends that, like, my life would have started way sooner than it had because the people that I was hanging around yes they might have cared about me Mm -hmm. but they truly didn't have my best interest in them because they really didn't have the best interest for themselves like look at the things that they were doing you know we were all doing the same thing we were all trying to numb the feelings and we're all running away from stuff and like that's not where your help is your help is with the people who know how to how to yes Yes. they know how to get through all the things and have been through the situations that you've been through and in the rooms there's so many people 
people that have been through things. If right. if you share about one thing, like I could go in there and share about my son and his ADHD, and I could there be like even if it's not that meeting, it could be another meeting. Yeah. Somebody's gonna come up and say, hey, you know, I have my I son have has yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, I mean, I shared in my anniversary about being a Virgo and Virgos overthink, and I had two people come up to me and say, I'm a Virgo too, and I overthink too. I didn't realize that, you know, just just. Just, just to step outside of yourself and not be afraid right, right. that fear keeps us stuck. Like, that's my new motto this year. I even have it on my wall. I wrote it, wrote it on something, and it says, don't let fear keep you stuck. If you take the steps that's necessary and do the things that aren't comfortable, like life, life can be so, so great. Uh, thank you, Sheila. I would like to thank you for sharing your story with us. Thank you. It's a great honor to be here. Thank you. And listeners, I want to thank you for being with us on this episode of One Day at a Time in Recovery in Baltimore. I'm Theo Hill. Let's talk again soon.